Father, we just thank you for this morning and just an opportunity to look at your word. And God, our prayer is always that we will stay true to your word, that you would teach us, teach or have us teach what is true. God, help us not to add or take away, but to look and focus and always look towards Jesus Christ. Father, we just think of the team that's getting ready to go to Louisiana, and we just pray that um, you keep them safe, give them uh, safe travels. And Father, that uh, the people that they will come in contact with, that your spirit will just be moving and just be able to an opportunity to share your son, Jesus Christ. Father, as we move into the election season, that we would just pray that you give us the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to make the right decision when we vote. Father, that it would honor you. God, we just pray for the leaders of our country that your spirit would just move and touch their hearts because we know through a changed heart that things will change. And so we would pray that you just open their minds and their hearts to your son, Jesus Christ. Father, be with us today. And we just thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we are coming up to the election. It's only a couple weeks away. Aren't you excited? Because I am. I hate watching television. All of the commercials and everything that's going on. And I just told Marjorie yesterday, I'll be glad when it's over because I'm tired of seeing the town littered with all those signs. I mean, they are everywhere. And I mean, we are being deluged with commercials that just, it seems like it's looking for the worst in the person that they can find. And then, you know, we had the debates and and other things. And it just, it's like, what is going on? It's like, no one seems to have a handle on what's going on. Our culture, our way of life, it just seems to be eroding around us. I mean, when you see some of the things that are going on and... Um, the news is more depressing today than, than it's ever been. And we sometimes wonder, is it possible that it could get any worse? If you flip over to Revelation, you'll find out real quick, you can. So, but um, Monday night, I just thought I'd tell you on Monday night, we've been going through Second Kings. And then the men's uh, group, we've been doing Jeremiah uh, on Saturday morning. And... Uh, you know, you look at that and you see what went on and, and with all of the rebellion against God. And uh, you wonder, why didn't they just change? You know, they had prophet after prophet after prophet coming and telling them, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. But they wouldn't listen. And even in... Um, Deuteronomy, if you go through Deuteronomy, you know, as, as Moses is writing that, he says, if you do this, you will be blessed. You know, if you worship the one true God, you'll be blessed. If you do this, you'll be cursed. Um, and so that's kind of where we are in Second Kings and where we are in Jeremiah. And so we do wonder, it's like, what is going on? They were so steeped in idol worship, ignoring God. Uh, ignoring his law, sacrificing, get this, sacrificing their own children to false idols. And when you read those parts of, of uh, Jeremiah and Second Kings, there's always a little tagline in there, and, it's, and it says, and God always added this text, that which I did not ask you to do. That is something God never asked the Jewish people to do, and actually anyone. But that's what they were doing. They made up their own false religions and they literally were sacrificing the owning children. And I sometimes ask, are we that bad? Sacrificing our children. And I heard a testimony on Thursday night of a young man. We went to Churches Against Trafficking and this was a young man um, that was giving his testimony. They actually had two young ladies and a young man there. And this young man had been trafficked by his father, starting at six years old. So can it get any worse? Yeah, I think it could. And just like the Jews, instead of the Jews influencing others around them, they allowed the other nations to influence them. 
and all of the false gods and the idols and the sacrifices and the things that were going on, they should have been worshiping the one true God. They allowed culture and these false religions to come in and they embraced these false religions. Uh, reading in, in second Kings in some of them, it says basically there was like an altar on almost every street corner in all of the high places and almost every street corner. So they could go burn incense and do all of these things. And they just kind of incorporated it with, with God. And even in part of it, they were sacrificing and burning incense to false gods in the temple. And, you know, just to kind of look, it says, you know, Solomon died. And when he died, the kingdom split. Because uh, you had King David, it was a united kingdom. You had King Solomon, it was a united kingdom. But God said that when Solomon passed away, the kingdom would split. And it did. It split. We had the southern kingdom, which was two tribes. And then we had the northern kingdom, which was ten tribes. And it's the northern kingdom. It's referred to as Israel. The southern kingdom was referred to as Judah. Uh, sometimes you would hear the northern kingdom also referred to as Samaria. And um, Jeroboam became the first king of the northern kingdom as what God said that he wanted. And this is what it says in First Kings chapter 11. However, as for you, I will take you and you will rule over all that your heart desires. You will be king over Israel, which is the northern kingdom. And here's if, if you do whatever I command you and walk in the ways and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and commands as David, my servant did, I will be with you. I will build you a dynasty as enduring as the one I built for David and will give Israel the northern kingdom to you. This was God's promise to Jeroboam if he followed his laws and his commands and his decrees that he laid down. He said, Jeroboam, you're going to be a mighty king if you do what God wants. Did he? No, Jeroboam, right out the gate, he set up false, he set up false idols and false altars, or set up altars to worship false gods. I mean, he really set the tone for the northern kingdom. And as we go through, there are no good kings in the northern kingdom as you go through. Um, and you read time and time again, this is, this is a reoccurring theme when it talks about the northern kingdom. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, walking in the ways of his father and in his sin, which he had caused Israel to commit. So with all of the idol worship, and this is the northern kingdom is where we see later King, um, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And where they're killing prophets and all of those things that are going on. And, and that's what's happening is they are killing the true prophets of God. And... Um, so eventually, what does God do? He sends judgment that he had promised to the northern kingdom. And, you know, he told them, you do this, and there'll be no judgment. There'll be no wrath. But you do this, and there will. And so they were sent into exile because of their continued sin. They were just steeped in idol worship and turned their backs. And in, in, uh, I can't remember if it was in Jeremiah or in Second Kings, we did read this, that the people literally turned their backs on God. Time and time again, like I said, the prophets, God sent prophets to warn them what was going to happen. Now, in the southern kingdom, they didn't fare much better. They did have three really good kings out of all, all of their kings. But unfortunately... It still, it just went the way of the northern kingdom because they had basically begun to, to bring in the false idols and that that the northern kingdom had. And eventually, they ended up in exile because of their sin. But God did continue to promise Israel, that Israel and Judah, that they would return after a period of discipline. However, we're not going to go much more into that today. I just want to kind of set the tone about what we're going to talk about today because it's like, are we this bad today? And uh, like I said, Monday nights we're doing Second Kings. We're at Buzz and Connie's house. And Saturday mornings we're doing Jeremiah. And we're right across the hall there uh, in the fellowship hall. 
And we have great coffee and great donuts, just like Sunday morning. So um, we're in chapter 33, I believe, of Jeremiah. So we're kind of in the heart of it. So the prophets preached, repent, return to the one true God. Here they would be under siege. Now, just think for a moment. They would be under siege for so long, it says they were literally eating their children and drinking their urine. Now, there was an easy way to solve this problem, and that's to turn back to the one true God. But they didn't. Instead, instead of recognizing and submitting to God, they just wallowed in their sin. And many times it was like, woe is me, woe is me. You ever been there? It's like, why me, God? Why me, God? So here were the, and this is what gets, this was the people's response. Second Kings chapter 17, but they would not listen and were stiff-necked as their ancestors who did not trust in the Lord their God. And if you remember in Acts, remember Stephen talking to the religious leaders and the Jewish people? And he goes through this long history of the prophets and of, you know, of the Jewish people. And I'll tell you, I think this would really, and it really upset them because in Acts 7.51, this is how he ended his little dissertation. He says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. So they were, they were killing the prophets that were predicting the coming of the Lord. And in 2 Kings 17, they sacrificed their sons and daughters in the fire. They practiced divination, sought omens, sold themselves to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. And that's what was... That's what was going on then. And even during Jesus' time, we're talking about Stephen, what, how he's confronting the, the religious leaders. And that's what was going on. So I kind of wanted to set that with taking a quick look at Israel and Judah, because sometimes we do ask, why did the Jewish people not listen? And there's even a point in Jeremiah that God tells Jeremiah, don't pray for these people. We find it in Jeremiah 14, 11. He, he finally comes to a point. He tells Jeremiah, don't pray for these people because I'm not listening. So that brings us to our text, Romans 1, 18 to 32. And hopefully we'll make it all the way through. Um, and I started out talking about the elections kind of jokingly, but, you know, it is a serious matter because we do trust our leaders uh, or we're supposed to trust our leaders. And the elections have consequences. But just as Israel and Judah were not listening to God's word, we're seeing the same thing today. If you look around and see what's going on, people are looking for any reason not to look to the one true God. They're looking to government to take care of them, they're looking to others to take care of them. But they don't want any limitations on what they're allowed to do. They just want free reign. Uh, kind of reminds me of the, the 60s, you know, what it was, oh, free love, you know, love, peace, all those things. So even though there's evidence all around us, and, and that's kind of what 18 through 32, the first part of it's talking about, there's evidence all around us that God exists, that if no one ever told you that God exists, you would have a sense that God exists. And... Today, we have to realize culture cannot survive without God. I mean, we saw the the way of the Roman Empire, how it just basically collapsed and disappeared because how they became so decadent. So there's no moral standards when we ignore God. And if we don't live by God's moral standards, whose standards are we going to live by? Just anyone's? I mean, look at some of the standards that are out there today and the things that are being forced upon. Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And, you know, I, I talk to people sometime when, um, when I'm out and about and they'll say, you know, well, the wrath of God, isn't God a loving God? Yes, 
He can. He is. And he can be. However, just think of yourself as a parent. If you didn't discipline your kids, do you think they'd become uncontrollable? If they were allowed to do whatever they wanted? I think of the court case. I can't remember the term they used for that young man, but the parents gave him everything. He had all these fancy cars. He had his own house with all of this stuff and um, spent, well, spent was going to spend very little time in jail, but him and his mom took off. I can't, what was the term they used? Affluenza. So he's basically been given everything. No discipline, no control, no standards. You know, and he basically just did what he wanted. And we see that in our own kids, that if we don't discipline when they need discipline, they basically become uncontrollable. And I think sometimes that's kind of, if you look around at culture, that's what's beginning to happen. So we talked earlier about Israel and Judah, Israel being the northern kingdom and Judah being the southern kingdom. And God had warned them. If they didn't turn back to him, he would discipline them. And he did. They, they were sent into exile for 70 years, but were brought back eventually. And prophecy in scripture also tells us that God does not break his promises. He keeps his promises. And, we, and we'll see that. God loved Israel and Judah. And God loves us and tells us in his word. And this is a well-known verse. I'm sure most of you can recite it from memory. John 3.16, but I'm also going to read John 3.17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God gave us hope. God gave us a plan. He gave us a salvation plan. That is the hope we have. The song that Kim sang, the hope, that's the hope that we have is in Jesus Christ. But in a few verses, chapter 330, in John 3, verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That's good, right? That's great. Then there's that little word. Remember when I always say there's that little word, but? What usually happens after but? It's kind of negative. But whoever rejects the son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. And that's a choice they have to make. And then in Ephesians 5 verses 3 through 7. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Or of any kind of impurity or greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place. But rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the, king of, in the kingdom of Christ and God. And then it goes on. And it says, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. And that's why we study the word. That's why we, you know, we really get into the word. Because it says, let no one deceive you. And the way to keep someone from deceiving you of what the real truth is, is to know what God's word says. And when you do, you will spot a false teacher today very easily. So God's wrath will come. We don't know when, but we know it's coming. It is coming because of sin, not because we're poor, not because we're rich, not because we're good looking, but because of sin. God hates sin. You know, if you reject Jesus Christ, God's wrath is coming. Romans 1, 19 through 21. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Remember, we're talking about there's, you know, there's something inherent about us that even if we've not heard the gospel, we know there's something out there. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly been clearly seen being understood from what has been made 
so that men are without excuse. We are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so they basically just ignore the fact. And we see that today when you hear some of the, you know, quote unquote, highly educated people talking. They do everything they can to, to, to ignore God or find an excuse for God. You know, and, and today, just like us, you know, we have the written word. And back then, Gentiles had creation all around them. But this, this is, to me, really important. Jews also had creation all around them. But what else did they have? They had the written word of God. They had the Old Testament. They had the Old Testament. So there was no excuse for them. Just like today, there's no excuse for us as you, you know, talk and reach people uh, and tell them about Christ. So think about it. Just think about all of creation and everything that, that we have today. I mean, I just think about things like the stars. People navigated by the stars because they were consistent. They could, you know, they didn't need GPS. They used the stars to navigate and they could rely on them. The sun rises and sets every day without fail. I mean, that is just a normal thing. We have four seasons, or at least some parts of the country have four seasons. We have hot and hotter. Um, although it is cooling down today. So, <laughs> um, But think about it. An acorn. I mean, we've been up on uh, my daughter's property and they have a few oak trees and there's acorns. But those acorns, what do they turn into? Mighty oak. I mean, it is amazing what, what they can accomplish. And to me, birth is, every time there's a birth, that's a miracle. I mean, it is just, I mean, it's fascinating. Um, I mean, just watching the birth of a baby just, it makes me cry because it's just so fascinating. And I can remember when my daughter was born. I mean, it was, you know, she was the oldest and I just, I just couldn't get over it. I just, I mean, what was that little song we sang? Christian Marie born at 1103. I still remember it. I mean, I was so excited because of the miracle of birth. And, you know, I, I know ladies, you can just identify with that, that, it is just such a miraculous thing that, you know, what God does with that. And then, you know, today we have telescopes. We have man in outer space. They're going into the depths of the ocean. There's cameras that can go and see things that we've never seen before to see God's glory. Right here in San Diego County, we have Mount Palomar. They said that it's a 200-inch diameter instrument or telescope. And they state that it can see objects 4 billion light years away. That is fascinating. And that is the equivalent of 20, and I don't even know how many zeros this is, but that's the equivalent of 25 septillion miles. And I don't even know how many zeros is, is behind that. So maybe some of the math majors out there can help me out. But here's some other things that are going, I mean, just around us. They say there's 1,800 storms in operation in the world at any given time. And that creates, or the power that's generated from those storms is 1.3 trillion horsepower. I mean, I was hoping Mike was in here this morning to ask him if he'd like a car that had 1.3 trillion horsepower. I mean, what would that do in a quarter mile? My brother used to drag race, and, and so it's like, to me, it was always, what can you do in a quarter mile? But can you imagine 1.3 trillion horsepower? The average farmer in Minnesota gets 407,000 gallons of rainwater per acre per year. Thanks, God. That's free. Thank you. That's amazing. Missouri has 70,000 square miles, and they get an average of 38 inches of rain a year. That's the equivalent to a lake 250 miles long, 60 miles wide, and 22 feet deep. Now, this can be good or bad. They said there's estimated 10 million species of insects. Now, that can be good and that can be bad. So, <laughs> depends on where you are. Five billion birds in the U.S. I mean, that's amazing. Mallard ducks can fly at 60 miles an hour. 
an eagle's 100 miles an hour. The earth weighs 6 septillion 588 sextillion tons and hangs unsupported in space. All of the planets hanging out there. And the sun, I mean, and that's just, that's just our little area. There's no telling what else is out there. And to me, one of the biggest miracles is the human body. I mean, just think about all of the bones in your hand, the blood vessels, and the brain. The brain has got to be the most miraculous computer that's ever been generated. I mean, it is just amazing. So you kind of get the idea. There's evidence all around us. I could go on and on. And so instinctively, we know God is there. And scripture tells us that. But man refuses to admit it. They reject God. John 1, 4, it says, In him was life, and that life was with the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And in verse 10, He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. But the world did not recognize him. So in our hearts, we truly know, we truly want to know him. God will provide the means to hear the gospel. So just think about in Acts, you have the eunuch who's, who's reading scripture. And what happens? The Holy Spirit sends him Philip. And Philip explains to him what it is. And the eunuch immediately wants to be baptized. Uh, Cornelius, the centur- centurion, the Holy Spirit sent him Peter to tell him about it. And I'm sure some of you have been in that place, that God puts you in the right place at the right time to share the hope that is in you. And that is when the Holy Spirit will work and they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's no accident. God does that. He puts you in the right place at the right time. The question is, are you going to seize that moment? And that should always be part of our prayers, that God will send someone that we can share Christ with and the hope that we have in him. So you'd think if any person would believe, it'd be a scientist. I mean, I was thinking about this. I mean, you see the research that they do and the discoveries that they make. And we, you know, talked about the telescope and just the different things. But here's a quote uh, from Dr. George Wald. He's an evolutionist. He's a professor of biology at the University of Harvard, so he's no slouch. And he's a Nobel uh, Prize winner in biology. And this is what he says. There are only two possibilities as how to life arose. One is spontaneous generation rising to evolution. The other is a supernatural creative act of God. There is no third possibility. Spontaneous generation that life arose from non-living matter was scientifically disproved 120 years ago by Louis Pasteur and others. That leaves us with only one possible conclusion, that life arose as a creative act of God. Now, this is an evolutionist writing this, but this is what he adds. I will not accept that philosophically because I do not want to believe in God. Therefore, I choose to believe in that which I know is scientifically impossible, spontaneous generation arising to evolution. He chooses to believe a lie. A well-educated man chooses to believe a lie. To me, that's just false religion. So this is willful disbelief in God and the refusal to thank God or to glorify God. In the last part of verse 21, it says, But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Wow. So we need to be on guard. We need to be on guard of what we're taught in school, here. Uh, tell the men's Bible study, you hear something come out of my mouth that doesn't sound right, I want to know. Because I do not want to be teaching something that's not right. So if it just doesn't sit right with you, you need to come talk to me and set me straight. Or let's talk about if I'm right or wrong. Because I definitely do not want to be teaching what is wrong. In Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one, no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. 
The better you know God's truth, His word, the easier it is not to be fooled. You can, com- you can compare what's being said against the truth and know immediately. That's why it is so important to always read and understand and, and study Scripture so that you know God's word. Uh, and there's ways that you can do that today that you never could do it before. I mean, we used to only have it in written form, and now we have tablets and computers and smartphones, and um, you can, you know, you can have it read to you on a CD while you're driving your car. Um, absorb it, read it, take it in, so that you know the truth. Romans one twenty-two through twenty-three. All they, although they claimed to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. So everything that, that they know, or even today, the things that we know, we see, we see the earth being worshipped more than the one true God. Uh, or we see animals being worshipped more than the one true God. So we look back and sometimes, you know, say, how in the world... Could you worship such things? You know, the Jews falling into idolatry the way they did. But culture kept crepping in and taking over. As the Jews were to be in, just like I said earlier, the Jews were to be an influence to the nations around them. But they took on and they were influenced by the nations around them. Which, you know, we're to be in the light. We're to be a light to the world around us. And we need to be careful in letting culture enter the church. You need to be careful what's being taught. And if it causes us to compromise the gospel, then it has no place here. And it needs to be confronted. So what forms of idolatry do we have today? Self? Me? 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 (laughs) Me? Time? Convenience? I don't have time for that. Uh, It's not convenient for me right now. Maybe next time. Ego, pride, getting ahead at work. You know, sometimes we put work ahead of of God. Anything that replaces God becomes an idol. Materialism. um, I read an article by Dave Ramsey, and this is basically just a short section of that. He wrote an article a while back about why houses cost more today than they did before. And there's, there's many reasons with, you know, inflation and different things. But he said, <clears throat> I found this one interesting. It says, most average homes in the 50s were around 1,000 square foot. By 1970, they were 1,500 square foot. And families were bigger in the 50s than the average family today. And today, the average home is around 2,100 square foot. And I thought about this. And I said, you know, this is true because... I was born in the early 50s, telling off of my age now. Um, But before we moved to Ohio, we lived in the house that had two bedrooms. There were five kids and a mom and a dad. Now today, they'd probably turn us over to CPS because every kid didn't have their own room. But think about that. Five kids, mother and a father living in a two-bedroom house with a detached garage. And you know what? We got along just fine. Probably better than if we had our own room because we had to get along. Um, but just think about that. You know, it, there is a difference. And, you know, the point is we want more. We want more toys. We want bigger homes. We need bigger homes to store those toys in. You know, and have you seen the number of storage units in East County? Do you ever wonder what's in those storage units? I do. And there's nothing wrong with accumulating things. There's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Uh, We just have to make sure that those things don't take the place of worshiping God and worshiping the one true God. Just because we don't have those carved images like they did back then doesn't mean that we don't have idols today. And so we just need to be careful that we're not putting our trust or our faith or... We're getting our time absorbed by those things rather than focusing on God. So Israel and Judah, 
brought in other gods. They would worship them along with the one true God. That was even more insulting. They just kind of put him out there as another God. When they knew better, he brought them out of Egypt. He set them up as, you know, the model civilization. They were to be an example. There was nothing special about them other than the fact that God chose them. And they were to be an example, just like God chooses us. And we're to be an example. David says in Psalm 14, 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile, and there is no one who does good. You know, an evolution today is taught in schools, and it's taught as fact. I mean, it, it, you talk to anybody who, who believes in evolution, and they'll just tell you that there's all the evidence in the world out there that it's fact. And this actually has entered the church in some ways. You know, people trying to rationalize or not ruffle feathers or whatever you want to say. There's theistic evolution, which basically says, you know, God created that first living cell and then things just evolved from there. And this was a new one for me when I was reading up on this. I had never heard of progressive creationism. And so I looked that up and it said basically that God created things over millions of years. So he just kind of took his time and didn't. I'm going, do, the, do these churches read the Bible? It's pretty plain, you know, how God got things started. And so that's two that's out there, but it's two ways that they try to rationalize or fit in evolution and creationism together so that they can just kind of get along. You know, and we have God's word that tells us the truth. And we, you know, we read in Romans 1, they became fools. And that's what we have to be careful about. Stay true to God. Stay true to his word. And you can't go wrong. Author I like to read is A.W. Tozier. Uh, he passed away, I think, in the early 70s. Um, but if you read his books today, you would think he was writing today. Um, Tozier says, idolatry begins in the mind. When we pervert or exchange the idea of God for something other than what he really is. That's a powerful statement. And we always have to be on guard for that. Romans 1, 24 to 25. Therefore, and he's referring back to verses 18 to 23. Therefore, God, them, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. And you might ask, how can God just give them over to their sins? And in Jeremiah, which I think I mentioned earlier, we see where God tells Jeremiah, stop praying for these people. I'm not going to listen. Stop praying for these people. And unfortunately, they're gonna, they were going to suffer discipline from God, and they did. And today, we see the same thing. We will see them suffer the wrath or discipline for their sin. It may be immediate, and sometimes it may be later. But we do know uh, in the end times, it definitely will come. And so they will definitely suffer the wrath of God because of the rejection of their son, Jesus Christ. You know, we look at the links people go through to skirt ramifications of sexual sin. Abortion, people will, you know, they'll go off somewhere and, and have it done so that nobody knows it's been done. Uh, hide it from, you know, a lover. Uh, they want to hide it from their coworkers because they don't want people to know they've had an abortion. Although that seems to be not taboo anymore as you see people coming out and they're just, you know, talking about and they're proud of having an abortion. But people are going through counseling. They turn to drugs, alcohol, anything to deaden the guilt. But it can't always be avoided. And I found this interesting do you know there's more than 20 types of STDs, venereal diseases, affecting more than 13 million men and women in the United States? That's just the United States. Some of the most common STDs are chlamydia infection, genital herpes, genital warts, gonorrhea, syphilis, and HIV. And HIV, you can curb it, but you can't cure it. 
And the symptoms of the late stage of syphilis include difficulty coordinating your muscle movements, paralysis, numbness, blindness, dementia. And in the late stages of syphilis, the disease damages your internal organs and can cause death. And if we listen to Planned Parenthood, their motto might as well be, go have fun, just use protection. Um, And the only protection that we have is if we keep that part of our life within the confines of marriage, is what God says. If we keep that in the confines of our marriage, it is outstanding. Outside of marriage, it is wrong. The 60s sold us a bill of goods. I grew up through the 60s. Uh, and it sold us a bill of goods. And many today are paying the consequences for those decisions. And I see it even getting worse today with what we hear from leaders. We hear from like the likes of Planned Parenthood that basically, you know, there's no consequences. You know, it's just, you know, it's just life. Just, you know, it's just do it. So this is an issue today that we have over 22 million sex and human trafficked individuals in the country. It seems to be such a central focus of our culture today. And, I mean, you just think about before, you know, if somebody wanted to get a hold of pornography, they had to go to some strange little adult store somewhere, or they could order it through the mail. But today, you can hold it in the palm of your hand with your smartphone. That's how prevalent it is. And Opal Singleton, who spoke here earlier this year, she said one of the biggest dangers is virtual reality porn. That it is going to be more addictive than what we see out there already. And that is a concern. And why we need to continually be praying for our kids, watching over our kids, and see what they're doing. But they've built such a desire for this. Like I said, there are 22 million sex and human trafficking slaves in the world today. Just in, and we talked about this in January. Just in San Diego alone, that trade is worth $810 million just in this county. That is the direction of culture. That, is, that basically becomes an idol to people. They, their passions are so strong for it that they can't control it. They refuse to listen and live within God's plan. They don't listen. And when you want to exchange God's truth for a lie, it has consequences. Romans 1, 26 through 27, because God gave them over to shameful lust, even the women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men can committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves a due penalty for their perversion. And this is the second time Paul mentions abandoning them. The first time was over idols and now over degrading passions. You know, these passions that are so strong. So we're looking at today in the direction of culture and we're seeing it change and some churches are actually embracing some of what culture has out there, rationalizing the actions that they're doing. Just as you know, stealing, adultery, fornication, and fornication is a fancy word for sex outside of marriage. Gossiping, this is not okay. Relationship with the same sex is not okay. God ordained marriage between one man and one woman. But society and culture tells us differently. They want us to trade God's truth for a lie. And that's what we saw in verse 25. Society wants to influence the church, but we can't let that happen. You know, we're all born into sin and we're tempted. However, someone who becomes an habitual and unrepentant thief, murderer, adulterer, does so on their own choice. And notice I said unrepentant. Romans 3.23 tells us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because in Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise. 
That's a promise from God. Just as God made promises to the Israelites and made covenants with the Israelite, God has a promise for us. And the only sin that can't be forgiven is if you reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't care how bad you've been. If you are repentant, if you turn, you change, and you confess that sin, that God is faithful and he will forgive you. You just need to put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In the last part, Romans 1, 28 to 32. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, they just discounted it. He gave them over to a depraved mind. Just as he told Jeremiah, don't pray for these people anymore. He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They became filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. Is that kind of some parts of the world today? Does that sound like they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice? They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters. I mean, people are very vocal today about hating God. Insolent, arrogant, and boastful. And I have this underlined. They invent ways of doing evil. I mean, you see on the news today with the beheadings and the things that are going on with kids being kidnapped and stuff. And it's, it's just pure evil. They disobey their parents. They're senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. And although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, very things, and here again we have but. They also approve of those who practice them. Do you see that from some of our leaders? They actually approve of some of what's going on. And I'll tell you, that's a list, and that's, that's not the whole list. But just think about the selection cycle. And much of what's listed here is happening. But not only that, but it says they invent ways of doing evil. I mean, wouldn't it be much better if we invented ways of doing good for people? But it seems like today, many are inventing ways of doing evil. And there are those who approve of the practice of what's going on. People deny God, but there's something in us as humans that know that there is a God. We just refuse sometimes to acknowledge it, or much of the world will refuse to acknowledge it because many times we just really enjoy reveling in our passions that are in our heart, some of the passions that we talked about. So instead of turning our hearts to God, we turn them away from God. So until we do that, nothing's going to change. And that's why part of my prayer was we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for them that their hearts will change. And until, <clears throat> even in the Old Testament, God was looking at man's heart. And wanted to see the true worship of God. In Isaiah twenty nine thirteen, the Lord says, These people came near to me with their mouth and honored me with their lips. But their hearts were far from me. And that's where it all starts. When there's a heart change, when you turn your heart over to Jesus Christ, that's where it will change. So culture and society may change, and it may get worse. But even in terrible times, stay true to God. And he'll take care of you. We see this uh, with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm sure everybody knows the stories. You know, they sound like nice Bible stories, but they're also there's so much there. And how God took care of those four. And they were young men. I mean, there are some that think that Daniel was probably only like 15 years old when he was carried off to Babylon. But he stayed true to the one true God. No matter, even though he was in a foreign land with idol worship. He stayed true. So they went through challenges. But they were an example to the people around them. And some of you are sitting here and going, wow, Les, that's, this, this is kind of depressing, but it's hope. That's like Kim saying that song. There's hope. There's hope. And in John 5, 14, 16, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Do you? I mean, when you light a lamp, you want it to, to light up the room so you don't trip over something. Instead, they put it on a stand and, give it, and it gives light to everyone in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That's what we need to do. We need to be in the right place at the right time, and God will do that. No matter what's going on around us, no matter what the news says, we can share that light, we can, which is Jesus Christ. We can share that, and we should. Our prayer should always be, God, bring someone in my life today that I can share the good news. And we, in Jesus Christ, will fill that empty hole in their heart. It will open their eyes to see what they've kind of instinctively knew all along about this great creation that God has created. He will open their eyes and they will see. The testimonies the other night when we went to churches against trafficking from those three people that had been trafficked, it was just amazing that the faith they have in God. And they even seemed to indicate that they knew there was something out there. And they were able to get rescued. And they have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, all three of them. And all three of them, I believe, were working to help rescue other other girls and other boys. Boys are involved in this too. And the sad thing is, they really are treated to the point that they think they are trash. But God does not look at them as trash. He does not look at us as trash. And so he loves us and he wants us to come and get to know him, know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And you know, the election will be over in a couple of weeks. Amen? And God knows we can trust him no matter what the outcome. You know, we don't put our hope in politicians. We don't put our hope in them. We put our hope in Jesus Christ. And the more hearts that turn back to the one true God, the more rejoicing there will be in heaven. So just like Philip, who was sent to speak with the eunuch, and he believed, God will send people for us to share Christ with. And we can either, we have a choice. We can either be down on what's going on around us, or we can be like Joseph and Job and Daniel and trust God and know that he's in control. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We just thank you for your word. And we just thank you for Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. God, I would just pray that if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know your son, that they would want to. They would want to. And we are here to talk with them and pray with them. But God, that your spirit would just move and touch those lives. And God, I would pray that you would help us be bold. That when the opportunity is put there, when the spirit moves and puts someone in our path, that we not step aside, but that we stand there and we share the hope that we have in us. And we thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.